I, I'm loving this message series, and I loved Nancy's story this morning. Each Sunday, you probably recognize we have somebody else share their story and how it impacts people. And what's great about telling your story is that your story has the ability to impact people that my story may not be able to impact. And so that's why we're encouraging everyone to share your story, because if by telling your story, me telling my story, together when we share our story, we are making history. Amen? And we know that history, his story, is the greatest story ever told. Amen? And so I do want to honor Pastor Josh and Jolene. Um, they've given me the opportunity to speak here. I'm, I'm really excited about what God has uh, spoken to my heart. And um, for those of you who maybe don't know me, I'm Pastor Corey. Uh, me and my wife serve here in the role of associate pastors. And uh, we just recently had uh, our baby girl, Evelyn Grace. And um, I like to call her Gracie. She's amazing. I want to show you a, a, a picture. You skip that first picture and show, show them the second picture. Here's my baby girl. Yeah, that's where you need to clap, right there. <laughs> she's, uh, she's a miracle, to be quite honest with you. And I'm so thankful for this church and for everything that you guys have done for us this past month. For those of you who know, she came seven weeks early. Um, a very unexpected surprise, right? And uh, we were a little bit, obviously, worried and uh, a lot of anxiety, a lot of stress. And... Um, I, I want to show you guys this, this picture in a minute, this first picture. So my wife texts me at work and says, hey, I'm at a routine doctor's uh, appointment, but they sent me over to the hospital just because I've been having some extra pain in my lower abdomen. They think it could be contractions. They're not really sure. They didn't even admit me to the hospital. She explains that I'm just here to run some tests, and then I'll be going home. And I said, okay, all right, yeah, just let me know. Keep me updated. I'm about two and a half hours away. Uh, working out of town, and uh, <laughs> she calls me about an hour later and says, uh, I, say, I say hello, and I'm talking with somebody at the time, so I, I just, I, I say, hey, hey, can you hold on just a second, and then I look at somebody, and I'm going to end the conversation, and I hear her say, I don't have a second, <laughs> spoken like a true 922-er, right, <laughs> and I said, all right then, I said, what do you mean, and I, I knew, you know, you, you can hear it in her voice, you know, and I said, what, what's going on, she's like, they, they, they said I'm in active labor, She's like, I'm like, I think she said she was at like three to five, I think five centimeters. She was 90% in face. Like she's, it's, it's go time. She's ready to deliver the baby. And again, I'm two and a half hours away from work. I had the quickest teardown you've ever seen in your life. If you've, you've probably never seen a construction worker on the side of the road tearing stuff down, running to his truck, unless there's an emergency. That was me in this case. I took all my equipment down in record time and I'm flying down the road. And I kid you not, less than a mile down the road, I run into this. Now, I grew up in, in, in a rural America, right? I mean, we're from T County. This is not a uh, abnormal thing to see on the road, but not when your baby is about to be born, right? You do not want to get behind one of these things. And so I try to get around on the left. There's a couple telephone poles, probably not a good, uh, good thing to do there. Then on the right, I see a mailbox, kind of thought about it, not going to lie. I think, you know what? This is a farmer's land. He could probably replace that mailbox in like an afternoon. So I thought about it and... I, I didn't, so I, I waited very patiently with my horn blasting, my work lights on, my flashers. I waited very patiently. He finally got over enough, and I sped by him. And um, it was supposed to take two and a half hours. Needless to say, driving at a little bit more than the speed limit, I was able to get there in less than two hours. And yeah, I'm going to brag about that. So anyway, 
I'm just flying down the road, and um, the closer I get, the more it looks like I'm not going to make it in time to see her. And, you know, that wrecked me, and I was, I was talking to my brother on the phone as I was driving. He's like, hey, be careful. I just want to check in with you. And, you know, different people were, you know, calling me, and I'm, I'm talking with them. And I just kind of accepted myself. I'm not going to make it. I'm not, like, I'm not going to get there in time. And believe it or not, I, I, you know, I get there. To make a long story short, I can tell you the rest later. There's a few more embarrassing things that happen on the way there. But um, I get there in time, and she, she had you know, slowed down uh, the labor, and then I, I, I get there, and um, I get to see my baby girl. You can see the rest of the pictures here. She's, she's an absolute miracle. She needed no oxygen. I mean, th- seven weeks early, that's, that's pretty rare. She didn't really need a whole lot of, uh, of help. She was five pounds. She was a good size. She, she did really, really well. Um, so my wife stayed at the hospital, obviously, and then I followed the, uh, the NICU unit from Altman who came down to Union, and they took over care, transported her up to Altman where I went. And um, it, 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 was, it was an incredible experience. This past month has been absolutely um, wild and crazy. And, but it's through this experience this past month that God has taught me something very, very important, and it's something that, uh, it's something that I want to share with you today, it, and a lot of it, believe it or not, was taught to me by my baby girl, Evelyn Grace. She taught me some things about relationships and intimacy, and so if you have your message notes, go ahead and pull those out, and while you guys are doing that, I want to do something we get to do every week, and that's welcome in our jail campus, so on the count of three, I want you to give a nice big shout to everyone who's watching online, everybody by way of podcast, online, the live stream, and especially you men and women over at the Tuscarawas County Jail, you are a part of our church family. Come on, church. One, two, three. Give it up. Thank you. Thank you for doing that. So if you have your message notes, I want to look at uh, three scriptures that all kind of have a common theme, and they're all on your message notes. They're also on the screen, so you can follow along however you uh, are most comfortable. Psalm chapter 8, verses 1 and 2 says, O Lord, our God, how excellent is your name in all the earth, who have set your glory above the heavens. Out of the mouth of babes and nursing infants, you have ordained strength because of your enemies, that you may silence the enemy and the avenger. You know, this scripture hit home with me this week because I have a little baby who got to come home this week with us. And at the time when I'm looking at her through this isolate and she's laying there, I'm going to be honest with you, I did not see her as someone that God would use to ordain his strength. And yet that's what the psalm says here, that that's exactly who God ordained strength through is through a little, tiny baby. It says, Out of the mouth of babes and nursing infants, you have ordained strength because of your enemies that you may silence the enemies and the avenger. This is actually the same scripture that Jesus recalls when he's being questioned in Matthew chapter 21, verse 15. This is shortly after Jesus cleanses the temple. He goes in and he's doing some amazing, miraculous things. And he's questioned. It says, But when the chief priests and the scribes saw the wonderful things that Jesus did, and they saw the children crying out in the temple, Hosanna to the son of David, they were indignant and they said to him, Do you hear what these are saying? And Jesus said to them, Yes. Have you never heard 
Out of the mouth of infants and nursing babies, you have prepared praise. And that word praise there means strength. Out of a tiny little infant, little tiny Evelyn Grace sitting there, laying there, five pounds, I was not thinking about strength. And yet, as I watched her take these steps in her growth and maturity and these, reaching these milestones that the nurses were saying, if she can do this and she can do this and she can do this and she can keep gaining weight and she can, then she'll get to go home with you. I'm watching her develop and I'm seeing God's strength. And I'm seeing what God sees when he sees little children. In other words, I feel like Jesus saw these children praising him in the temple, shouting Hosanna, and it was like he was just saying, these children recognize God when they see him. They have no barriers up. They have no walls up around their heart. They've never been hurt. They've never, they don't need to disguise any pain. They're simply eager to relationally connect with their creator. In Luke chapter 18, verse 15 through 17, it says that one day some parents brought their little children to see Jesus so he could touch and bless them. But when the disciples saw this, they scolded the parents for bothering him. Jesus called for the children. He said to the disciples, don't stop them. Let, let the children come to me, for the kingdom of God belongs to those who are like these children. I tell you the truth, anyone who doesn't receive the kingdom of God like a child will never even enter it. I find this so fascinating, and me being in complete dad mode right now, I've been off for an entire week, I've not been to work, I'm like really emotional, and like, gentlemen, you can probably relate, when you go to work and then you come home, it takes you a little bit to kind of like adjust and get acclimated back to like home life, you know, you're kind of maybe still in work mode. I haven't had to do that this week, it's been amazing, I've been just able to stay home and, and be with my family, but I, I'm in complete dad mode, and so I'm seeing these scriptures I feel like the way we were intended to see the scriptures, when Jesus talks about little babies and infants being that which he has ordained strength to silence the enemy, and that if we don't become like these children, we won't even experience the kingdom of God at all. So what is it about children that Jesus loved? So much so that he had to point it out to several people on several occasions that unless you are like a child, in a certain way, you will never even enter the kingdom of God. Now, this past month has been such a difficult season of life for me. I, I for three weeks, had to become Mr. Mom. And I know a lot of ladies are probably chuckling on the inside right now because if you can imagine turning the household over to your husband and only your husband for three weeks, you can imagine what it looked like, what it smelled like, how it sounded. <laughs> And at one point, I'm cleaning the house with a snow shovel. No, I'm just kidding. That, that didn't happen. That didn't happen. Don't tell my wife it happened. No, I'm just kidding. So it was, it was a really difficult season for me. I, I, and like I said, this church family has been so generous and so kind in coming alongside us and helping us. And now to have Pastor Josh do what he just did, it, it, I feel so loved and so valued and so cherished. And that's how God wants us to feel in relationship with him. And so it was through this experience I learned the importance of relational intimacy, not, not just with my wife and with my children, but most importantly, my relational intimacy with God. 
And as we look at what intimacy with God looks like, I want to go over three things so that we can have a better understanding of intimacy. Because it was the intimacy with God, that's what, that's what got me through this really difficult season. The first thing is that intimacy is more than just knowledge. In Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 through 7, it says, Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything you can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. Now notice there that it's about the experience of God's peace that outweighs anything that you can understand with knowledge. So knowledge is a good thing, but without experience, it's it's not as good. If you think about it, if you're about to have an operation and the doctor comes to you and says, hey, I'm going to operate on you. This is my first time operating. I have never experienced an operating room, but I know how to do it. I've read the books. I've been through it. I've done, I've practiced on dead people. So now I want to operate on you. Probably not going to be real comfortable with that. Knowledge is great, but it's the experience that we cling to. In the moment, like what I was going through, watching my baby girl, the anxiety and the stress, I began to feel like God was beginning to speak to me and saying, I want to stir up intimacy with you, the way that you are watching your baby relate, relate to others. And intimacy is more than knowledge. You know, my baby girl, she has very little knowledge of what to do in order to survive. She's not only just surviving, she's just now thriving, but it's all based upon her experiences with her mom and myself. It's all about the experiences that she's had, the care, and she can even recognize the smell of mommy, right? The one uh, NICU nurse told us that she will know when she's home because she smelled home on you every time you've held her. And when she comes home with you, she's going to know she's home. I thought that was amazing to know that it's the experiences of being with God that help us recognize when we are in his presence. It's those experiences that help us recognize when he's in control, when he's got everything in his hands. So intimacy is more than knowledge. A better, more, maybe more logical way to look at this is the difference between being friends with someone on Facebook and being friends with someone in your connect group. So if we're friends on Facebook, you may know what church I go to and where I work, and you may know how many kids I have. But if you're in a connect group with me, you know how many times I yelled at my kids that week, and maybe you know some of the insecurities I've been dealing with, and maybe you know some of the things I've been struggling with because you've been praying with me and you've been partnering with me, and we have that accountability. So there's difference between just knowing someone or knowing about them, right? There's a difference between knowing some things about them and really truly knowing them and knowing who they are. And that's what intimacy is. Intimacy is knowing and being fully known. And that's our design. Our God-given design, God created us to be in relationship with one another and with God. Intimacy is also more than just physical. Because of our culture, we tend to associate intimacy with a sexual relationship or that relationship of a you and a significant other or you and your spouse. We, we sometimes instantly think of intimacy as physical, but it's so much more than physical. Intimacy, of course, is 
physical. John chapter 4, verse 24 says, For God is spirit, so those who worship him must worship him in spirit and truth. So our relationship with Christ requires both an internal and an external worship. So the physical expression of intimacy in church, that may be of like lifting our hands, praying, clapping, shouting, physically coming to a church building, physically reading, and, and even the intellectual intimacy of studying his word. The physical expression is just a celebration of an already established connection, whether it be emotional, whether it be intellectual, spiritual, or even experiential, having shared experiences. The physical expression is a celebration of that. For an example, when I first met my wife, I remember shaking her hand and introducing myself. Now in the morning when I leave for work, I don't reach out and shake her hand. I wrap her up in my arms and I give her a big old kiss, right? And then I leave. Why? Because our physical intimacy is now closer because we have had shared experiences and we've connected intellectually. It's not just physical, but we've connected emotionally, intellectually, even spiritually. So that is the way God intends for us to connect with him. He created us with the ability to have all of those things, intellectually, spiritually, experientially. He created us with mind, will, and emotions so that we can connect with him on a whole new level. You know, my baby girl, she, she can be put at ease simply by being put into her mother's arms. You know, that physical act of intimacy, of feeling her being in her mother's arms is intimacy. But emotionally, you can see her calm down. If I'm holding her and she's fussing and I'm trying to feed her a bottle and it's just, it's not, she's not doing too good, Becca will say to me, do you want me to, you want me to try now? I'll say, yeah. And then once she gets into her mother's arms, she does everything she's supposed to do. She relaxes, she's calm, she's peaceful, she finishes her bottle, and she falls asleep. And I'm like, I hate you. You know, like, how did you do that? You know, and, and I, I, it's like amazing how we can be intimate physically, but it's also an emotional thing. And with God, I, I, was, I was, like I said, I was going through a really tough time this last month. And it wasn't until I decided to get into God's presence and to allow him to not just speak to me through his word, intellectually, but he began to speak to me into my heart, and we begin to connect emotionally and spiritually. And when you're in church, sometimes it's that emotional response to, some, to a truth of scripture that, that then turns into a physical expression of repentance or baptism or taking your next step with Christ. I remember going to watch the, uh, the Cleveland Indians play the New York Yankees in a championship series up at Progressive Field. And I remember Jeff and Cody were at the game with me. They were on one side of me, and then there was somebody I didn't know on another side of me. And when the game first started, you know, you, you, you get into, we were in the cheap seats. I mean, technically they weren't even seats. They were the cheaper than the cheap seats because they were standing room only. So we got in there. I mean, it was an amazing game. The Indians won. It was really intense. Aaron Judge struck out four times, which was probably the best part of it because he's a Yankee. But anyway, he struck out four times. And when we first get in there, you know, you, you, see, you see people that you don't really know, but you're kind of just like, you know, getting some elbow room and you, you know, you want to see the game and stuff. And you don't know each other. It's like, hey, how you doing? Okay, cool. And then you're watching the game. And then by the end of the game, knowing nothing about this guy, we were hugging. 
I was hugging people behind me. I was high-fiving people I never even met. Why? Because we had a shared experience of intimacy. We went from not knowing each other at all to now we're hugging and we're jumping up and down and we're celebrating a win. It's amazing how intimacy works, isn't it? Because intimacy sometimes can be confused with just physical, but usually it's something else that leads to it being physical. And the last thing is this that we need to understand is intimacy is the fuel of relationships. In John chapter 15, verse 4, it says, Remain in me, and I will remain in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it's severed from the vine, and you cannot produce fruit, you cannot be fruitful, unless you remain in me. Now, Evelyn naturally, has, she's learned to naturally trust me and her mom. And she feels secure and satisfied when she's with her mom. Now, she doesn't have to do anything in order to be fruitful right now. She just simply has to remain under our care. And honestly, she can't do anything. Like, you look at her sometimes, she can't even look at you straight. Like, her eyes go across, and then she kind of looks at you, and then she, like, drools a little bit, and you're like, oh my gosh, you're so cute. And she just, she can't, she can't do anything. At no point in her little mind is she going, okay, I need to do this, and I saw where they got the milk, and I saw where this is, and I saw, and I'm going to do that. Tomorrow I'm going to wake up, I'm going to do all that, and I'm going to be great. All she knows to do is just remain under our care. And sometimes we get caught up in producing, whether it's at work or even in ministry, we're producing, we're producing, we're producing, and we never take the time to get into God's presence, or we never take the time to develop that intimacy and just remain under the care of Christ, to find contentment, to and to find joy. And that's what fuels our relationship with God, is true intimacy. Now, intimacy determines our capacity. In other words, if you want to get closer to God, you have to move closer to him. If you want more from God, if you want to experience more purposes of God and, and have God reveal what your next step is, you're going to have to increase your intimacy in order to find it. You know, in school, I learned about the two planets, Mercury and Pluto. And I loved science class when I was a kid before it got hard and it was fun. Science class is awesome because you get to learn about things that you know, it, it, they're hard to understand. But, but Pluto, from what I've been told, it was actually like excommunicated from the list of planets and then it was like re-added later or something like that. But anyway, Pluto was my favorite planet because it was real small and really far away and it was blue. It was like its, its own little thing. And then Mercury is this planet that's really close to the sun. It's really, really hot. Pluto's really, really cold. And the only really big difference between the two are their size, their capacity, and the temperature. And the only way for Pluto to be a little bit more like Mercury is it's got to get closer to the sun, right? So I can't think of any way that's more logical than that. If you want to get closer to Jesus, you're going to see your intimacy heat up. You're going to see yourself doing things that you never dreamed possible. So if you want to increase your capacity, you got to get closer to the sun. Amen? It's a closeness and it's a connection. So now I'd like to talk about the ways that we can develop intimacy. And the first way is this. We need to access the presence of God. In uh, 1 Chronicles chapter 16, verse 11, it says, To seek the Lord and his strength, seek his presence continually. You know, there's no relationship that can grow without quality time. 
whether it's a relationship with your spouse, a relationship with your children, or a relationship with God, that relationship will not grow if there's no quality time together. So I think it's important that we learn to withdraw from people for a time to go and rest in the presence of the Lord. It wasn't until I found the time this past month, after probably a week straight of running around, trying to take care of the kids, finding out that they take better care of themselves, going to the grocery store, doing all of the things and still working. And I finally got to a place where I could just turn on some worship music. And I put this song that we're going to play in a few minutes uh, that we can respond to. But it's a, uh, it's a song that talks about the presence of God. And it wasn't until I withdrew from everything. The kids are asleep. Most of the housework's done. I can sit down and breathe. And I just spent some time in the presence of God. And I began to spend some quality time with the Lord. And I felt my soul being restored. And I felt like God was picking me back up. And in that moment, I just broke down. Because in that moment, I was no longer Mr. Mom or Daddy. I was simply a, a small boy in the arms of my papa. And I just felt like he just wrapped his arms around me. And helped me feel like... I could do it. So we need to learn to withdraw from people. There's this really cool um, feature on my iPhone. I'm not sure that Google has even figured out how to do it yet, but they're probably working on it. But iPhone has this thing called Do Not Disturb. And it's just a quick button on your phone. You, you know, slide up, hit Do Not Disturb. And, and what it does is something I've, I've learned to implement into my life and my spiritual life is, you know, I'm really not that important that I can't put my phone down for five, 10 minutes and just spend some time with God. And you put it on do not disturb, you can even set it up so that if there's an emergency call from certain contacts that are in your phone, you can make those calls break through and then if it's an emergency, you can get it. But if you put it on do not disturb, maybe even just turn it off. I know, I know you probably haven't had your phone turned off since you bought it from wherever. I'm the same way, I have my phone on me almost all the time. But turn the phone off, I challenge you, and then just in the quiet or put on some worship music, spend some quality time with God and tell me you don't leave there feeling like you have a closer, more intimate relationship with your creator. It worked for me. I think it will work for you. But we need to spend that quality time. We need to access the presence of God and withdraw from people to spend time with him. The second thing we can do to develop intimacy is to be transparent. Being transparent is difficult for adults. We spend most of our days at work, and then we're with our kids, and we're doing many other things outside of work, and we're busy, and our lives are busy. And a matter of fact, sometimes like we, when we see each other, hey, how you been? Oh, man, I've been so busy, busy, busy. Like, like it's, like it's a, a, something we should celebrate. We're, we're caught up in so much, and we're doing a lot of things. And it's not like they're bad things, they're good things. But we put on this facade and we get really good at faking it or we get really good at thinking, you know what, I can't let, I can't let my, my guard down. I got to be strong. Like this last month, I knew, I just kept telling myself, I got to be strong for my wife. I got to be strong for my kids. And, and so I just had to, you know, they're asking me every day, when's mommy and the baby coming home? And I tell them, oh, probably, you know, a week or so. And it, like, you just, you can't, you just feel like you can't break down. But in the presence of God, you absolutely can't. 
And it's important to be transparent. It's important to let yourself pray a, a transparent prayer because it's unlikely that God's going to hear your prayer and go, oh, really? More than likely, he's going to say, yeah, I know. The Bible says that he's not faced any temptation that we haven't faced, and we haven't faced any temptation that he hasn't faced. He can relate to everything that we go through. So to pray a transparent prayer means to tell him like it is. Tell him you're mad. Tell him you're sad. Tell him why you're sad. It's okay to break down and, and to let your guard down. You don't have to be strong anymore when you're in the presence of God because it says that when you are weak, that's when he is strong. So when you're weak and you access the presence of God, that's when you become strong. And it starts with accessing his presence and being transparent. You can talk to God openly and directly. And the other thing you can do is to dive into Scripture and allow God's Word to really speak to you. So you're not just looking at it intellectually, but you're looking at it spiritually and emotionally and allowing God's Word to, to, to really mess with you. And that's what God's Word has done, done for me. I've been able to see some things differently because of the experiences that I've had. And I've allowed the word of God to really just kind of change the way I've thought about things. And I'm beginning to see me the way God sees me because of the way I, as a father, see my baby girl. And the third thing we can do is commit to daily surrender. Commit to daily surrender. There's a scripture about the woman at the well, John chapter 4, verse 27 through 30. It's a pretty popular scripture. It says, just then his disciples came back and they marveled that he was talking with a woman, unheard of for their culture. But no one said, what do you seek or why are you talking with her? So the woman left the water jar, went away into the town and said to the people, come see a man who told me everything I ever did. Can this be the Christ? If he could do it for her, he can do it with each and every one of us. He knows everything we're doing. And our response then could be to surrender to him. We don't need to have a wall up. We don't need to put up barriers to protect our heart. We can be transparent with him and we can commit to him daily by surrendering and submitting to him. Because really that submission that Christ calls us to is mutual. God's not asking us to do anything he hasn't already done. When he chose to bless us by giving us his son as a ransom for our sin. The word bless means to bend knee. God, the creator of the universe, came to earth, literally bent his knee. And on his knees, looked up into our eyes and said, I want a relationship with you this much. That's incredible to me. That absolutely blows my mind. So submitting to him is easy when you see it from that perspective. And when you make it a daily habit, you can wake up, and maybe this scripture in Galatians chapter 2.20, this could be your prayer. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. In the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. In other words, this life is not my own. I've been created by God for a purpose. 
And as we develop intimacy with God, as I mentioned before, we begin to see things the way God sees them. We begin to see ourselves the way God sees us. And I believe God sees all of us the way I see Evelyn. I think he looks down and he just sees a little tiny baby. <laughs> I really do. I think that's why he says we've got to be like one in order to get into the kingdom of heaven. We think we have it all together. We think we've learned some things. And sometimes we think we don't even need God. But I think God looks down and sees a little tiny baby eager and desperate for closeness and for relationship, for an intimate bond, knowing that there's no other way to live than under his care. There's no other way. As a matter of fact, John 10.10, 10, he tells us, I've come to give you life and life to its fullest. You think you have life because you're living and breathing oxygen, but really the life I meant for you to live is that in an intimate relationship with me. So the only way to experience the fullest life that God has for you is to become like a child and experience that intimate closeness that he desires. He desires that we have the heart of a child in an intimate relationship with us. And there's an Old Testament scripture that recognizes God's intimate pursuit of mankind. In Deuteronomy chapter 32, verse 10, this is a recap of what God did for his people, the Hebrews, his chosen people in the land of Egypt. It says that he found him in a desert land. And in the howling waste of the wilderness, he encircled him and he cared for him and he kept him as the apple of his eye. Now that phrase there, the apple of his eye means the little man in the eye. And it's kind of sunny out today, at least it was when, when I was out there last time. It is Ohio, it's probably changed. But sunny, on a sunny day, I challenge you to go outside, to grab your spouse by the hand, or maybe one of your children, and look each other in the eye. As the sunlight enters your eye, you won't see it at 10 feet, you won't see it at five feet, but if you get about one foot away, you see a little man in their eye. And that little man is you. The apple of his eye is God's way of saying, I want to keep you so close and in such an intimate relationship that I want you to be the apple of my eye. I want to be the apple of your eye. That's how close God desires for us to be in relationship.